Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth this day. So thankful for all those who have gathered here to receive the blessings that you have in store for us through your word and respond to those blessings with our prayers, praises, and offerings. May your Holy Spirit be with us now as we consider your word of truth from Galatians and apply the grace of Jesus Christ to our lives and relationships with one another. All this we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Welcome to week number two of our sermon series, reflecting on Galatians 2. The house lights are partially on, so if you'd like to open up your Bibles or your smartphone or device to Galatians chapter 2, you can follow along a little bit as we move through the message this morning. But to start the message, we're going to go back in time, and I want to share a little bit about my life and upbringing growing up and something that happened to me once upon a time. As uh, many of you know, I'm the, the son of a preacher and an art teacher, Roger and Sharon Hubbard. My, my father is retired Lutheran pastor, and my mother has been with Jesus uh, about eight years now. But back in the day, we were able to move from place to place and serve three congregations in Nebraska, in Iowa, and then in Indiana. When we were living in Iowa, I was in middle school and high school. And that arrow indicates the town of Osage, Iowa, where I spent many of my formative years. The next image is a picture of Main Street in Osage, Iowa, which became this wonderful location in the summertime. But to describe Osage for just a moment, Osage, Iowa is really a lot like Frankenmuth, about the same population, about the same size, very similar constituency, but without the stores, the restaurants, the hotels, and all the fun festivals. <laughs> Other than that, it's exactly the same. But in the summer, on about uh, probably once a month occasion, there would be a street dance in downtown Osage. They'd block off a street. They would have fences around it. You'd have to pay some sort of admission. Yes, there was a beer tent, but at 17 years of age, we did not need that. We were just happy for the trailer, on top of which was a DJ who played oldies and goodies, who played uh, top 40 stuff, and played a few slow songs in there along the way. And so me and my buddies would get together and oftentimes gather together with girls, and we'd hang out and dance and have a great time. Well, on one occasion, I invited a friend to this street dance. She was a girl. I met her through lifeguarding class, and she was from out of town, which was very controversial in Osage, Iowa, to bring in an out-town girl. But she was from Charles City, a small town uh, southeast of Osage. And I drove to Charles City. I met her parents and her whole family who was in the living room that night. And after being approved, uh, I got to take this girl to a street dance in Osage, Iowa. And as we're dancing, we're talking and asking questions and getting to know each other. And so I asked her, what kind of music do you like? And this small town girl from Iowa said, I love Bob Marley. <laughs> and she talked for a good five minutes or so about how much she liked Bob Marley and reggae music. And then... She asked me a similar question, not the same question. She didn't ask me, what kind of music do you like? She asked me, do you like Bob Marley? And I thought, this is a test. 
this might have consequences whether or not we go on a second date. And all that came through my head was this, Aerosmith, my favorite rock and roll group. And along with Aerosmith, Motley Crue and Cinderella and Garth Brooks and George Strait and Public Enemy and Run DMC, it was a confluence in the late 80s and early 90s of all this before grunge rock and alternative stuff that was too hip and such and before gangster rap. And so that explains a lot about your pastor, by the way. <laughs> but I was, I was kind of forced to consider this question, was I going to be myself and be true to who I am, or was I going to change for someone else to please them? Which is a question that we consider in our lives and relationships with one another, even today, as followers of Jesus. Are we to be true to our beliefs? or allow the opinion of others to influence our behavior. And such is the case with Peter. Longtime disciple of Jesus, now apostle. Peter, working in the local church in and around Jerusalem, but also checking out other locations like Antioch, which is in southeastern Turkey. But back in the day, it would have been in the area of Galatia. Antioch is noted in the scriptures as being the first place where followers of Jesus were called Christians. Before that, they were known as followers of the way. And so the Christians were first named Christians at Antioch. And Peter is there. And as Peter is there among the Antioch Christians, among those in Galatia, he's meeting with them. He's eating with them. He's ministering to them. And these are folks who are not necessarily Jewish by ancestry. They're Gentiles. They're non-Jews. And here's the situation with the, the Gentiles in Galatia. Many of these Galatians had received saving faith in Christ during Paul's first missionary journey to the region. But along the way, some had fallen prey to a heresy that said that in addition to following Christ, you also must follow all of these Jewish rites and rituals and customs and traditions, most notably circumcision. So for many of the Jewish converts to Christianity, they would claim that unless a Gentile person was circumcised, they could not belong to the Lord. They could not be a follower of Jesus, at least in the real sense. You couldn't be a true believer, a true follower of Jesus, unless you were circumcised. And so Paul is writing Galatians, and certainly Galatians chapter 2 here, to defend this whole idea of justification by faith alone. The idea that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And he warns the Galatian Christians of the dreadful consequences when we put rites and rituals or religious traditions above the grace and mercy of the Lord and our salvation through Jesus Christ. And so it is that Peter, when he was in Galatia, when he was in Antioch, again, was meeting with Gentiles, was eating with them, was ministering to them. And this has to do a little bit with table fellowship. The idea that who you shared a meal with mattered. And it mattered more than it does today in our culture. In that time, to dine with someone, to share a meal with someone, meant that we were in agreement that we shared values and we were in a certain similar station in our lives and a certain status in our community. It communicated something about you and something about your guest. And the idea is that we were close, we were connected, and we believed the same kind of thing. 
that was all wrapped up in this idea of table fellowship. And so for Peter, doing this with the Gentiles would have been a great outreach as Peter is Jewish by birth and upbringing. And as he is a believer in Jesus, this would have been a great bridge for Peter for the sake of the gospel to be eating and meeting and hanging out with Gentiles. What a great way to witness with them. But then there's a contingent from the home church back in Jerusalem that comes up. The home Jewish in Jerusalem, Jewish Christians coming up to Antioch. People who were pretty important, according to the Apostle Paul. And they were going to meet with Peter and see how things were going in that area. And as Peter understood that this visit was happening and they were coming, Peter drew back from the Gentiles and did not meet with them, did not minister to them, did not share meals with them. So such is indicated in Galatians chapter 2. And so when the important leaders from the Jerusalem church show up in Antioch, what does Peter do? He, of course, gives in to peer pressure and Paul confronts Peter with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. You know, so many times when we as Christians consider what truth is, we think about behavior. We think about the commands that our Lord has given us. We think about the rules that are in the scriptures by which we align our lives. And that's good. Scripture does call us to live exemplary Christian lives before a non-believing world. But so many times we don't always talk about the truth of the gospel. And so it was really fascinating for me to read that Paul here is talking about the truth of the gospel. Not just the truth of God's word. Not just commands and rules from our Lord about how to live. And about what lifestyle we are to have. About how we are to behave but the truth of the gospel. And he shares this publicly with Peter when Paul confronts him in Antioch. The apostle Paul says this, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But not only that, Paul adds this, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Now, why would Paul include that piece? Well, because in that day and time, in that particular culture, among the Jewish folks, they believed that if you were obedient to the law, that that obedience would have power over sin. Paul is saying, you can be obedient to the law as much as you want, but you'll never be able to fulfill it completely. Otherwise, Christ would not have had to come. In other places, Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by his grace. And in another place, he writes, for it is by grace that you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves, not by works so that no one can boast. It's a free gift of God. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul is understanding his audience here, realizing that this focus on the law, this focus on good works, this focus on, on obeying the Lord is very important 
to the Jewish followers of Jesus. But it doesn't take prominence over the grace and mercy of God shown to us through the person and work of Christ. In other words, Peter, shame on you. Shame on you for changing your behavior in the presence of other people. Peter, shame on you for thinking more of what other folks think about you than of what God thinks of you. Peter, shame on you for not continuing to eat and drink and meet and minister with those who might believe differently or behave differently. Friends, where Peter has failed and sometimes where we have failed in our relationships with folks who are different than us, Jesus has succeeded. Time and time again throughout the Gospels, how many times do you read where Jesus is eating and drinking and ministering to sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes? Those who morally cannot tell their right hand from their left. Interesting, at the early service I said, those who can't know their right hand from their left. (laughs) Those who are outcasts from society. Those who we might be ashamed to be seen with. Jesus is with them. He's having table fellowship with them. He's ministering to them. He's helping them. He's healing them. And he's proclaiming that he is the Messiah, this promised Savior of the Old Testament. And in him is not just healing for this life, but a promise of eternal life as well, where you will dine together with Christ at his heavenly banquet table. Not because of the good works that you've done, Not because of the rites and rituals that you followed. Not because of the traditions that you upheld. But because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thanks be to God that we have a Lord who is gracious and merciful to us. Who will look on us with love. Who wants to continue to have a relationship with us. Who invites us into his heavenly mansion. Who's gone ahead and prepared a place for us to spend eternity. Thanks be to God that he forgives our sins, places upon us the righteousness of his son Jesus, and will welcome us one day when the time is right into his heavenly home forever. So, what does that mean for us here and now? Well, it means that we have to acknowledge who Jesus is and why he came. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. If we could do this ourselves, if we could behave in such a way and believe in such a way that it would be perfect and pleasing to the Lord, then Jesus Christ would not have had to come and sacrifice his life for yours and mine. So we understand something about the truth of the gospel. This whole idea that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone And it's not because of what we've done or how we've lived that we are saved. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then we also understand this, that the life that we live, the lifestyle that we lead, and the way that we obey the commands of our Lord and follow the rules that are set forth in Scripture, we do that in grateful and joyful response to all that God has done for us. So yes, good works are good. 
Yes, we should follow the commands of our Lord in his word, but we do so from a position of being fully forgiven and free because of Jesus. And so we are free to obey. We are free to love God. We are free to serve him. And not only that, but we're also free to love and serve others in Jesus' name. Especially folks who believe differently and behave differently. I know it's tough. And it seems to keep getting tougher and tougher. Personalities are different. Persuasions are different. Politics are different. Values and morals are different. Upbringing is different. Families are different. The whole culture is different. It will keep getting different. And yes, we can adapt and adjust our way that we communicate with the culture, but we never adapt or adjust the truth of God's word or the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior, and we lead with love. We share the grace and mercy of God. We lean into those relationships that are trying and challenging. We listen. We learn from them. And then as the Holy Spirit guides us, we ask for those opportunities to lead them into a relationship of truth and trust with our Lord and Savior Jesus so they too can know the freedom and the faith that we enjoy as followers of Jesus. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Not I, but Christ in me. Not you, but Christ in you. Friends, we have a world that is ripe and ready to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They may know it, they may not. They may ask for it, they may not. But we are chosen to live in this time and this place to be ministers of the gospel to other people and to keep sharing the grace and the truth of Jesus with all kinds of different folks. So we learn a lesson from Peter. We, we take the warning of the apostle Paul and we rely on the grace and mercy of our Lord. And we allow that grace and mercy to lead the way in our relationships with one another. So back to our story, 17 year old Bradley is at a street dance in Osage, Iowa with this girl from Charles City. And I've been asked, do I like Bob Marley? And you know what I do? Yeah, I like Bob Marley. <laughs> Thinking that's going to make me closer with this girl, which uh, it did not. By the way, I, I still only know two Bob Marley songs, uh, No Woman, No Cry, and um, Stir It Up. So not bad songs. And I think they're gonna make a movie about Bob Marley that's coming out later this year or next year. So that'll be interesting. But in any case, thanks be to God that he has mercy on me, a silly sinner and a somewhat stupid 17-year-old boy. And thanks be to God that he continues to have mercy on us and he forgives us, even though sometimes we allow the opinion of others to hold sway in our life. And thanks be to God that his love and forgiveness is so much that it overflows from our lives into our relationships with others. And they too consider the joy of following Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen.